powerful Word of God can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. High five, fist pound your neighbor. Reach over there and love them. Love them. Give them a hug or something. Let them know they're loved, would you? All right. Brother James, you feeling love back there? Brother Bryant walking by? All right. He'll hug you, man, like you've never been hugged before. All right. All right. <laughs> Praise God. Start today a, a three-part message series in November. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, my church. Uh, next Sunday we're going to deal with baptism. And then we'll have our Thanksgiving and praise service and lunch. And uh, then we'll have uh, talk about communion. These are kind of uh, doctrinal in nature, so sometimes it can be boring. I'll try not to bore you. But uh, I thought it would be good to start off with, with what kind of church is this. So I've titled the series, What's Up With That? And uh, we'll just kind of talk about uh, those things this month. But today I want to talk about my church and what kind of a church is this. River, River Oaks, if you haven't noticed, is really not your average church. We have a church that's debt-free. And uh, we should say amen to that. Amen. <clears throat> so many churches are facing mortgage payments and they're servicing debt. And uh, as you know, that's not the best place to be unless you're federal government. And then you can... You can just make money. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So uh, I noticed this week that uh, they threw $800 billion into something to help the economy. And the only problem is the $800 billion was just made up. <laughs> so I guess if you're in the government, you can just make up whatever you want to make up. Sounds good to me. So next time your banker calls and says you're behind on your mortgage, just say, hey, I've just decided I don't owe you anything anymore. Yeah, well, I'll come down and see you at David L. Moss. That'll be all right. But we are debt-free as a church, and that's, that's a great position to be in. Uh, we have a huge heart as a church for young people and for people of all ages. We have a long-term pastor, 16-plus uh, years. It's unusual for a preacher to stay anywhere longer than four years. But thank you for enduring and uh, continuing to endure to let me stay here. We're a very community-minded church. We open our doors to community-driven events and are, and, and are grateful that they're here. Uh, we reach out into our community in various ways, uh, Lord, through our food pantry and uh, through benevolence work. We do that uh, throughout our community. Uh, I'm excited about our uh, annual, or hopefully it's an annual, uh, community Thanksgiving service and uh, all churches coming together. There's that now up to, uh, I think, 11, 12 churches going to be involved in that. Uh, that is awesome. And so it's going to be a blessing uh, to have them as a part of it and to have us together in one place. So uh, keep praying for that. And if any of you would like to share a special number, a song, uh, we, we can have one person do that from our church. So, or, a, or a duet or a quartet or whatever. So if you're interested in doing that uh, uh, for that service, uh, let me know today so we can get word to them and they'll get you in the, in the list of singers. Uh, one of the things I think is, is good about our church is that we, 10% of every uh, offering, general fund offering that's received here uh, goes to missions, 10%. And we give it away to missions. And we try to reach people, not only locally, within our state, but also worldwide. And uh, we just had a, 
missions meeting last week. And the needs are great out there, folks. Uh, there's plenty of folks that have need. And uh, so we're, we're looking at some additional uh, support to some additional missions. So uh, your faithful giving makes that possible. Because we take 10% right off the top and put it in missions. And uh, uh, we need to challenge ourselves to up that a little bit. And uh, start giving a little bit more emissions. Because we can never outgive God. Amen? And if we'll try that, you'll see what will happen. Uh, there's lots of things about our church that can get a person to ask, man, what's up with all that? <laughs> so today I want us just to focus and explore what we believe as a church and who we are. And the first place we want to start is our heritage. River Oaks Christian Church is an independent Christian church. Birthed out of the Restoration Movement. So what's up with that, or what is that all about? What is an independent Christian church, and what is the restoration movement? On our back table, we have a brochure that says, what kind of church is this? And would encourage you to stop and pick one of those up and read it. It's very interesting. Reading gives you a lot more of the heritage than I can give in, in this short time for a message, but I would encourage you to pick one of those up. But I think there's four distinctive things that set us apart and uh, make us who we are. The first is, and we'll look at, is our heritage. In the early 19th century, in the American frontier, it was a period of militancy among denominationalism. America's pioneers brought their deeply rooted belief systems to America. And this new land gave them opportunity, but it also carried on animosity. In other words, Presbyterians squared off against Anglicans and they defended themselves against Baptists who tolerated nothing that the Lutherans brought to the table. And so a reaction to this mutual animosity uh, became inevitable. When it came to a reaction, it was spontaneous. A group of New England Christians broke away from denominationalism, announcing that they were going to follow the Bible only. Any, another group in Kentucky, still uh, another in Pennsylvania, each independent of the others felt that spirit of unity moving them to stand with, not against, fellow Christians. And that's what kind of church we are. We're a church that loves you and cares about you no matter what your upbringing has been, no matter what your faith has been. We're going to love you and care about you. Uh, under the leadership of a pastor, Barton W. Stone, Presbyterian leaders in Kentucky, they published what was called the Last Will and Testament of the Springfield Presbytery, putting to death their denominational connections. Here's what they said. We will that this body die, be dissolved, and sink into union with the body of Christ at large. For there is but one body and one spirit. The early leaders of what was later to come to be known as and called the Restoration Movement believed unity in Christ was and is possible because this book is universal. The truth of this book is universal. We don't have to let some headquarters tell us what it says, but we have to be open to let the Spirit tell us what it says. And so that's what our church is about. And to achieve that unity, it requires letting go of human traditions and loyalties to dynamic personalities. Christ alone could be exalted. Case in point in our recent history in Tulsa, Billy Joe Darty, fine minister of the gospel, 
uh, he, he preached in a way that I hope I could grow into. But one of the things I appreciate about Billy Joe is that he made sure that that church, when the new church was built, was done debt free. It took a lot of years to gain the money to be able to build that church debt free. But if you drive down Lewis and you see the Victory uh, Church, you're going to see a church that's a multi-million dollar facility that they owe not one dime on. Why? Because he wouldn't compromise and he stayed, stood, stood fast to that. And I appreciate that. Now, I don't believe everything. I don't, I don't practice everything that they do. But every person I've ever met from there, I can draw an identity with. Why? Because they love this book. He preached this book, didn't he? Those of you who listened to him, I loved it when he preached. He, had, he had just had a way about him. But the early church is found in the book of Acts. And it became the model for the restoration movement to be launched. And that restoration movement was built on a few important principles. The first one was, there shall be no creed but Christ. The second one was, there's no book but the Bible. They didn't have creed books. They didn't have testimonial books. They didn't have extra books to read out of because the denomination said this is what it is. They had this book, and that's what they read out of, and this is the book they lived by. It's the way you and I should be. I don't need an extra book. I need this book. Problem is, I don't know what this one says. <laughs> Somebody asked Billy Graham one time, said, are you concerned about what you don't know of the Bible? He said, no, I'm really concerned about what I do know is in there. <laughs> yeah, because that's the truth, huh? Because we know enough, we don't always want to listen to it. No creed but Christ, no book but the Bible. And thirdly, here's a great statement, we are not the only Christians, but Christians only. And aren't those good, powerful statements and principles? So then what makes us different from the Baptist church or the Methodist church down the street or the Presbyterian church or even a Catholic church? What's, what makes us different? Well, I think in part the heritage that we have desires us to see the New Testament church restored. And so there's four distinctive marks that set us apart from that. And the first one is the central nature of our church is Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. He is supreme. If you come with a question, we're going to go here to find the answer. Now, I can give you some quick answer, but it's smarter if I take you here and let this answer your question. Because then you're going to have to argue with God and not me. Amen? So let's let God's Word do what it does. And the church belongs to Jesus. We have no authority to change the teachings, rewrite the rules, alter membership requirements, usurp His place, the church is not a democracy. <laughs> we have to do what he tells us to do. When people tell me about baptism, and they, they, that, that gets to be a trip point. We're going to talk about it. communion every Sunday. That gets to be sometimes a confusing thing. But if we'll let this book say what it needs to say, then those will come in line. We'll talk about it in just a minute. The second distinctive mark that we have, not only the central nature is, of our church is Jesus, but the authority of his word. We believe that the Bible is the authority, not the church. So the church may disagree on an item. But if we go here, we can't disagree. Because this is what it says. Well, it's open to your interpretation. Perhaps so. Then if we don't agree with what this says, then we need to keep studying about it and praying about it until we're in the unity of spirit. Amen? I don't need to fight you about it. In fact, healthy, healthy discussion is great. I love it. 
you know, there's times when I've been teaching or I've been preaching, you don't agree with what I say. Some of you even have the audacity to take me to biscuits and gravy to try to straighten me out. And I enjoy those biscuits and gravy. (laughs) Uh, And I had one brother, dear brother, he said, you know, preacher, yesterday you said something I totally disagree with you. I said, well, tell me what I said. And he did. And I said, well, I probably could have said that different. Because sometimes I'll say things, I don't necessarily mean it the way it comes out, but you hear it the way it came out, and that's unfortunate for me. But what I appreciated was the brother said, can we sit down and discuss this? I love that. Now let's bring the scripture, let's open it, and let's take a look at it, and let's see how we see it. Amen? Yeah, that's what it's about. But the authority of God's word, in fact, in 1 Timothy 3.16, it says, all scripture is what? God breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. So I don't have to worry about what's in here. I just have to worry about understanding what's in here and then applying it to my life. And I'll have some great things happen. Uh, I know some churches, some denominations that have rules and bylaws for everything. The Presbyterians have been called the frozen chosen. I heard a pastor at a Presbyterian church describe their church as the frozen chosen. I don't know quite what that means except that they said, she said, it was a female, she said, we don't really get excited about too many things in the church service. And that's sad. That's sad. Because God enjoys it when we lift praise to Him, doesn't He? Now some people say, well, preacher, I don't have to raise my hands to praise God. I said, no, you don't. You don't have to jump chairs to be able to, to, <laughs> to praise God. I got you. You don't have to fall down and, and roll around on the floor to praise God. I got you. You don't even have to dance around the, around the church. I got you. But if something like that should happen, don't hinder it. If the Spirit of God touches you in a way, don't hinder it. Just respond to it. That's what's wrong with us is we don't want to respond. We want to let man tell us develop creeds and and rules and regulations. We don't have bishops. We don't have superintendents. We don't have a national headquarters that determines policies in the local church. We elect our own leaders, call and support our own ministers, and decide where our mission money will go. We are not isolationists, however, because our congregations freely associate with one another to accomplish tasks that are too big sometimes for that local church body. Let me give you a case in point. We are, we as a independent Christian church group of about 10 of us are on channel 47 every Sunday morning at 1030. And one of us 10 are preaching. I was on last Sunday on the 31st on Halloween, Halloween uh, Sunday morning. I'd have preached a different sermon if I'd have known I was going to be on then, but that's okay. Because uh, my next recording is Wednesday this week, so I don't know when it's going to happen. But I just go and I preach and I let it go and see what God God does with it. But we not one time in any of those TV uh, presentations are we asking for money. Not one time. We wanted to set this up so that we could simply preach the gospel, present the gospel, and then let people respond based on the Holy Spirit touching their life. So if you find yourself at home, you know somebody that's shut in, have them every Sunday morning at 1030, turn in to channel 47. Uh, which is channel 7, I think, on, on the cable thing. And it's um, good news for today. And it'll be one of, our, one of us ten preachers. And you might luckily get me in there. That'd be a good time to change and go to Creflo Dollar or something like that. But that's a cooperative effort. We alone, it would be difficult for us to come up with $1,500 a month. But collectively, we can do it. And that's what we're doing. It's exciting. 
The third distinctive mark is that, that of fellowship of the saints. We are Christians only, uh, but we are not the only Christians. We would rather enlarge the circle rather than shrink it. We invite the church, the unchurched, the dechurched, the overchurched to come and to worship until Jesus comes again. That's what we want. Bring them in here. We have people that have come to our church. They don't stay, but they come here to get healing that God can give them because of the love that you have as a church. They may leave us, and that's fine, because our job is to minister to the sick. We are a hospital for the sick, not a hotel for the sanctified. So our numbers are going to fluctuate. But what we've got to do is keep loving people. Amen? And we've got to let them know they're loved. Then the fourth distinctive mark is, is the transcendent nature of baptism and communion. Now these are some practices that may have been a little different in the church that you grew up in. But I believe if we can study the Word of God, we can experience what the first century church experienced. When it comes to baptism, I, I love to look at the Word of God. And we as a church go to the Word of God. Romans 6, 3 and 4. We read it nearly every time someone's baptized in our church. It says, Or don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism is more than a symbol. It is an active participation in the actual moment where, where Christ conquered sin and death. When you go through that symbolic nature of death, burial, and resurrection, we're connecting with God and Christ especially. Colossians 2 and verse 12 says this, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with Him you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. It's no wonder the early church was all about baptism. It's no wonder the New Testament never even considers the notion of an unbaptized Christian. Why would any believer not want to participate in what Jesus did? Jesus Himself traveled 60 miles to the River Jordan where John was baptizing to be baptized. And as Jesus said, to fulfill all righteousness, to do what God wants you to do. Makes sense. Makes sense. So every time you see a believer and see a baptism, it's a dramatic reminder of what separates Jesus from every world religion. Our leader didn't stay dead. He didn't stay buried. He conquered the grave. He shows us how to die, but He also shows us how to live forever. <laughs> Hallelujah. Baptism is a meaningful moment. It signifies a spiritual transition is taking place. You are saying to the world that you want to unite with Christ and be on His team. We believe that communion is such a powerful part of the Christian formation as well. For one thing, it just keeps happening. Baptism is a once uh, happening, a once and for all happening in your lifetime. Communion, however, goes on every week. It goes on continually over and over and over. And we at River Oaks practice, as the first church did, uh, taking communion every week. Jesus said in Luke twenty two nineteen, do this in remembrance of me. We even carved it in front of the table so you could remember. Now, is it important that we do it every week? Not as important as we do it. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So Jesus says, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. Well, in Acts 20 and verse 7, it says, that the, talking of the first century church, it said, and on the first day of the week, they met together to break bread. And part of that fellowship was a remembering of the Lord. 
They would always take time to share communion one with another in remembrance of what Jesus had done for them. Because communion is, is, is just that. It's your time to reconnect with God from a week that you've had, good or bad. And I'm sure that there was great excitement on that birthday of the church when 3,000 people were baptized. But then every day, life began. Meetings for worship and breaking bread together every day. Baptism into Christ made the new believer, a new creations in Jesus. Breaking of bread made them one church, His body. Because we collectively gather around this table. And it doesn't matter how you were raised, you know that this is available for you. Amen? And you know that when you're taking communion, you're doing it to remember Jesus. Whether it's weekly, monthly, annually, I'm just grateful that every week I get a chance to reconnect. And so I hope that you will take that same advantage and you will, you will appreciate that also. In fact, one of the most exciting parts, and many of you are con contemplating and thinking about baptism and membership of the church Boy, this would be a great two months. November, December would be a great time for you to do that before the end of, of 2010. And I would encourage you to think about that and then follow through on it as well. But let me give you a, a brief one-minute history a lesson of River Oaks Christian Church. It was born in 1964, 46 years ago. I think my math is correct. And in 1964, several people <clears throat> came together to establish this congregation their intention was to unite Christians from all church denominations who desired to follow the Bible as their only rule and guide. Forty-six years have passed, and we're still true to that same original vision at this church. It mainly was started because of folks at First Christian Church, which is a denominational church, were tired of the liberalism being brought into the pulpit. So they said, we want to go back to, to hearing and preaching and teaching the pure Word of God and let it be our rule of faith. That's awesome, isn't it? And that's why we're here. We moved out to this facility, uh, or this location, 300 North Elm, in about 1970. I checked to find out why River Oaks was named River Oaks Christian Church. That subdivision, that way, right by that side of the library, it's River Oaks subdivision. I didn't know that. I checked it out. That's River Oaks. I figured this one, this is some other name, but that one was River Oaks. And so we were across the street. We were, you know, that's the way it should be. We're just away from it. No, I'm just teasing. And then 1994 in September, I was called to be your pastor here. And uh, God has just done a great work in our church. The distinctive number two that we have is our mission. Is our mission. Our mission is threefold, right there on the wall. Seek and save the lost, minister to those in need, and be a conscience in our community. That's why we're here. And you can't be around much without knowing that's why we're here. Uh, and, and we're crystal clear about that and what we're trying to accomplish with that. Uh, it's God's will that all people would come to know Him. That He uh, is precisely, and that's precisely why we, the body, His church, are here on earth. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He understood His mission and He communicated it clearly and so we try to as well. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, it, Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That ought to be our driving motivation is to bring lost people to Christ. Can I get an amen? The church is the physical representation of Christ on earth. And we are on, here on earth to carry out His mission. In 1 Corinthians 5, it says it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this 
is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he was committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Having a great mission is all fine and dandy, but if we don't do anything to actually carry out that mission, it's ultimately meaningless. Our church should grow in number. We shouldn't worry about selling this property and moving away until we fill this one up once, twice, three, four, five times. It doesn't matter because if we're doing what God's called us to do, they'll come here. And we talk about facilities, and, and I do, and I, and I look at other facilities and I think, man, it'd be great to have this piece, it'd be great to have that piece, but what, they, what they, they don't have, or maybe they do have, I don't know, but I know what we've got here, and that's a group of people that love people. You love people the way Jesus loves people. And I don't know why people don't stick here and hang in there with us, I don't know. But I do know one thing, if you want to be entertained, there's some big boys down the street that can entertain you to death. But if you want to come and roll up your sleeves and go to work for Christ, this is a great place to be. We've got plenty of work to do. We've got plenty of people yet to be talked to. How do I know that? Because of what uh, our, our distinctive number three is, is our strategy. River Oaks is here to introduce the people of Jinx and the surrounding area to the abundant life found in Christ Jesus. In Isaiah 43 and 19, it says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do, do, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. There are 121,964 people living within a five-mile radius of this church. The largest segment of the population falls in the ages of 25 to 34. Most of the people in our community fall into the following age brackets. There's 18, over 18,000 in 25 to 34, 16,000 in 35 to 44, 11,000 in 45 to 54, and then over 17,000 in 55 and up. We've got a great cross-section in our church or in our community. The median age in Jinx and the surrounding area is 33.7 years of age. We have to be about that, folks. We've got to know it and we've got to reach out to it if we want our church to grow. Luke 13, 29 says, People will come from the east, the west, the north, the south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God, especially if we'll ask them. And we've got to be about that business. We've got to be about that, uh, that, that task of bringing people to Christ. A recent survey was uh, given and asked, Why don't you go to church? Top four responses. Number four, they feel like no one there will be like them. <laughs> Number three, they have other things they would rather be doing. Boy, that's huge. Number two, they perceive church to be irrelevant. And number one, they see it as boring. Church is absolutely boring. I tell them, look, come, you can sleep. Just, you know, you got a good hour of sleep. Come on. I said, just lean forward. We'll think you're praying. Don't go back. Remove all doubt. It'll be great. Come on. Well, I don't want to go because the hypocrites are there. I said, you'll fit in fine. Come on. Well, I don't, want, I don't have any dress to wear. Come naked. Come on. Well, we got a million and one excuses why we can't go. We ought to find one that we can go. Amen? I mean, just to come see Brother Ralph Brandsetter every, every Sunday, that should be worth your trip in here. Just see Brother Ralph. He'll straighten you up right now. Brother Coach is over here. We turn him loose on you. Look out. Everything changes. Why is this important? Why am I even harping about this? Because I need to give you the, the overall state of the church. <laughs> it's a real reality check. 98% of American churches have fewer than 300 in attendance on any given Sunday. Nearly 85% of those churches are in plateau or decline. Where do you think we are? Where do you think we are? 
Nearly 85% are in, 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 in plateau decline. And approximately 2,000 churches every year close. They close. No, let me back up. Those begin. 2,000 begin. Six to 7,000 close permanently. You want to be one of those. Or you want to be one that starts new and just something new and fresh is happening. It can. It all depends on you. If you're waiting for me to get it done, we're in trouble. I need your help. I need you to bring them. I believe we've got something to teach them. I believe we've got food that we can put in the trough if they want to take it out. But if you're looking for something that's, I don't know what you're looking for, it's going to be hard to meet that need. But there are large churches within 15-minute drive of this church. I mean churches in their multi-thousands of people. And they've got music. They've got lights. They've got sound. They've got, uh, they've got smoke. They've got preachers in yellow suits. I mean, they've got it all, man. They've got Jupiter jumps every Sunday. They've got youth ministers that jump pews. They've got, they've got all kinds of things happening. But what, why, why don't we have that, preacher? That's all i got to offer. The power of the Word of God. You want it? Open it and feed yourself. Oh no, you've got to feed me, preacher. <laughs> the difference between attenders and members summed up in one word. What's the word? Commitment. Commitment. We strive to direct people to Christ through depth in Bible studies on Sunday morning. We have Sunday night small groups started. We have Wednesday night study. We provide relevant, challenging messages every Sunday. But it takes commitment from all to make the church grow. I'll wait. I'll wait a little more. I'll wait even more. There we go. Distinctive number four is our conviction. We want River Oaks to be your church. This is your church. And we want you to be eternally invested in what God's doing here. The conviction is so powerful that we are asking all of you during these last two months of 2010 to let River Oaks become your church. You join this church. and You become a member. You've never been baptized by immersion. Let us do it with you. You might say, oh, preacher, now you've gone to meddling. Now let me talk. Let's go to the Bible. Let's talk about it in the Bible. Let's see what it says. Well, that's your interpretation. Well, okay, let's just see what yours is and let's go with it. But we might be, you might be asking, man, what's, what's up with that? Why is it so important that I join the church? What, what difference does that really make? What's the big deal about membership? Well, simply this, it's about commitment. If you were to get married and just live together and not be married, then you can walk away real easy, can't you? Of course, most of them are walking away now. In Oklahoma, we're number two in the nation for the numbers of divorce. Woo. Behind Reno, Nevada. Woo. Well, that's a great statistic to have. You should join River Oaks because you know what we're about. It's clear what we, what we believe and what we're trying to do. River Oaks is committed to making disciples of Jesus who love deeply and reproduce spiritually. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 22. He replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, the prophets hang on these two commandments. And then in Matthew 28, uh, beginning in verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. If you... Join River Oaks. You will be immediately a part of a dynamic discipleship journey. You will be encouraged to lead a lifestyle of worship, to serve in your home, community in your church, to engage relationally with other Christ followers, 
and then to help navigate other people to God. And by joining, and there should be a chart up there that makes that, that look good. Okay. And then if you join River Oaks, four things you can count on and that we will give you. Authentic accountability, true fellowship, sound biblical instruction. We're going to try to make him Lord of your life. And then spiritual maturity for the family, mom, dad, and the kids. We want you to grow in the knowledge of your word of God. I believe it. I believe it can happen. None of it can happen if you don't want it to. None of it will happen unless you want it to. So what's up with this church called River Oaks? It's a church that knows its mission, has set a course to get there. It's a church that isn't afraid to ask people to be a part of it. And most of all, through, though it is God's church, it's also our church. And we do it in partnership with God to build this church. Father, I ask you this morning that if there's somebody in this room that has been thinking and contemplating and maybe wants to make River Oaks their home church, would they do it? Father, would they have the courage to do it? It takes courage. It does take courage. And so, Father, I pray that you would minister to them and you would prompt their hearts. Father, there might be some folks in this room that have never experienced baptism in the way that you teach in Scripture. Uh, I'm not here to judge. Nobody's here to judge. But we are here to teach the Word of God. And God, I'm under obligation to teach the Word of God to the best of my knowledge. But all I want to do is love people. I just want them to understand. And God, we can still fellowship together. We can still grow together and love together and reach out together. No matter how we see it or how we view it, but God, you call us to obedience. And so I'm just challenging folks to consider, just consider communion, baptism in their life, church membership in their life. But God, more than anything, more than anything, we've got to surrender to your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, I thank you for setting the example for us in the New Testament church, beginning in the book of Acts chapter 2 and moving forward. There was an excitement in that church. There wasn't about one person in that church. It was about everybody in that church saying, man, I'm going to help my church to grow. I want to come and I want to be a blessing to the church. I don't want the church to provide for every need I've got. I want to come and provide the gifts that I have, the skills that I have to use them for God's glory and God's kingdom. And God, if we can get a church like that, we can't contain the numbers who want to come and be a part of a church like that. Or, Father, we can just choose to stay the way we are and not make any changes at all, not make any adjustments at all, and just stay the way we are. Because when we do the same thing we've always done, then we'll get the same result we've always got. So God, it may be time to make some changes in our lives, make some changes in our approach to your gospel, to make some changes to let you truly be the Lord of our life. God, there's people in this room, I know they're struggling, there's people in this room that are hurting, would your spirit bathe them with your love and bathe them with your patience? And, and Father, would you lift them up? But God, we love you. We praise you. If there's somebody who needs to make a decision, would they do it in Jesus' name? Amen. Let's stand and sing this great hymn of invitation. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failed.